Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by Lucas Oil, TireRack.com, and RockAuto.com. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb, and welcome everyone to MotorWeek podcast number 276. I am John Davis, and joining me today at MotorWeek World Headquarters is Brian Roberts, Jessica Ray, and Alexander Kellum. Alex. Yeah, yeah Alexander. Do you use that much? I, I use Alexander on all my professional stuff, but yeah, then, you know, but not, just We're casually. not professional enough. Oh, you, you know, well, hey, it says Alexander on the paper, so we are. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're going to cover a number of things. We've got a lightning round. We have a YouTube question, but really the focus of this podcast is going to be the 2022 New York International Auto Show back in its old place, opening to the media just before Easter. And while it wasn't as big as past New York auto shows have been, it was very significant. There were a lot of new vehicles shown, and we're kind of going to go through the list. And uh, I tell you what, Jessica, why don't you start with what probably was the largest uh, (laughs) physically and maybe one of the most important intros there. Well, we kind of knew this was coming eventually. Um, really, yeah, the the biggest all around would have to be the the reveal of the Jeep Wagoneer L and Grand Wagoneer L, which essentially is the extended wheelbase version of the full size Wagoneer SUV, um, and I believe it makes it the largest in the class it's it's what an inch longer than uh suburban suburban. so Mm -hmm. it's a big box it's a foot longer than the regular grand wagon yeah and even behind the third row it is even just squeezes out a little bit more space in that rear yeah it's a a little larger than the um the suburban or the yukon xl behind the third row yeah it's really that's pretty what what was your first when you saw it roll out on stage, what did you think? It's, it's a behemoth. It's, it's huge. huge. It's huge. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. it's it's big. It's it's um, already had kind of awkward proportions, not in this long wheelbase version, um, and it's almost a little bit even more awkward in the rear. But it's a big truck. But what you gotta love is the new Hurricane Twin Turbo I six yes. for sure. Now, you know, that, that engine intrigues me and because since uh, they announced uh, the going that twin-turbo inline-six, there have been other rumors of other manufacturers bringing out new inline-six. So, I mean, it's a perfect engine if you're going to do rear and all-wheel drive or rear and four-wheel drive. Not a good engine if you're going to do long, any kind of front-wheel drive longitudinal placement. I mean, I'm I'm impressed, and it's it's like, hey, more power than in most V8s, and in a more usable package. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, 510 horsepower, but for a size of that vehicle, you're going to need it, especially when you got a payload. You want to do yeah. any towing, mm-hmm. so that will definitely come in handy. Yeah, 10,000 pound towing capacity. Um, you know, if you buy a if you buy a vehicle like that, you're you're going to want to want the power, and of course, you know the 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 pro of going with the you know the twin turbo i6 of course also becomes efficiency and jeep really wants to be the most uh green suv brand on the planet and uh you got to start offering things that are a little bit more efficient so they're saying about one to two miles per gallon uh better combined compared to the existing v8 which 
you know, if you add up all those miles, that is sure. that can be a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's not it's not great, but it's better. <laughs> Alex, any impression from you? You were back here writing everything yeah. up and posting it. Uh, so specifically about uh, the hurricane, or just. In general, in just general. what you saw with from Jeep, because Jeep uh, yeah. not only did that, but they also did the carbide. Yeah, so uh, so I had attended the whatever that digital precursor was to the show, where mm-hmm. they also showed off the um, the Wagoneer and everything. And uh, I mean, since then, I've been seeing a lot of memes about it. You know, a lot of like <laughs> it's like a Subway sandwich longer than, than yeah. what they got now and stuff. And I'm like, ooh, that's good. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it's one of those things where I will be completely honest. When I first saw it, it felt a little gratuitous. I was like, man, they need something bigger. Um, but then when you like we're talking about like the rear leg room and all that stuff mm-hmm. uh, and after being at the Range Rover event recently and sitting in like a third row vehicle and stuff and realizing the importance of rear leg room and everything, I'm like, oh, I, all right, I can see the, the practicality in that. And then as we're talking about with the hurricane, yeah, it makes sense why they want to switch away from V8s again. Love V8s. But um, yeah, being like like Jessica brought up, every little bit counts. And over the long run, mm-hmm. I mean, that's going to matter, especially in such a big vehicle. Yeah. I, I like that Wagoneer uh, carbide trim that they showed. Yeah. yeah. Um, all decked out in black. black. Yeah. I mean, it makes makes luxury look a lot more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Well, that was pretty cool. It did look very aggressive. Yes. Yes, it did. Yeah. Speaking of, of, of a dark finish, I mean, it, it wouldn't be any manufacturer's auto show without saying something about uh, electric electrified or electric vehicles. And they have already shown this concept called the Chrysler Airflow they mm. did at the Consumer Electronics Show in January. So they brought a graphite, a dark version, to the show. So it wasn't a, a huge reveal, but... I got to tell you, it looked pretty good. Yeah. It looked a lot better than the white one. It was the alter ego version. Yeah. Said, yeah. That's what they said. Yeah. Very slick. They're, they're still not saying that the production EV, which I think is what, 2025? 2025. Yeah. Is going to be like this. But it was a nice looking uh, kind of squared off hatchback slash SUV. It reminded me a, a little bit of several other vehicles we've seen in the past. But it was pretty nice looking. Yeah. I mean, I... You know, when we heard originally that the airflow, you know, when they revealed the concept and then Chrysler kind of came out and said, well, the production one isn't going to look like this. I mean, the outrage really, it was was silly, 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 because it looks, it looks very good. I think the name is fantastic. Yeah, it looks like a production ready vehicle Mm -hmm. and, and it looked upscale. I mean, it sort of was like everything that the Chrysler brand really needs. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, in order to kind of start selling cars again. It wasn't the only – Chrysler didn't have – or Jeep, I should say, didn't – we keep calling it Chrysler, Stellantis. Um, mm-hmm. They weren't the only ones that had uh, big boxes to show. There were also uh, mid-cycle updates on the Kia Telluride mm-hmm. and the Hyundai Palisade, uh, the respected brand's uh, largest three-row SUVs, which now look mm-hmm. kind of small next to the Grand Wagoneers. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, any <laughs> – you know, they they weren't major changes. A couple more features. No, anything I, I, to add? I I really like the um, the updated face of the of the Telluride yeah. uh, with the new headlights, and then it has a nice touchscreen, um, and then a couple of different off road packages. So. Yeah, that's a big deal. Yes. Yeah, I'll go the other way and say I I didn't care for the update <laughs> on the Palisade. Now I own, you know, here's truth in in uh, broadcasting. Uh, I own a, a current uh, Palisade, and I thought the new one. They said it was going to look more like the Santa Fe. I guess it does, but the mm-hmm. little blocky square uh, 
um, high intensity lighting. I don't know. I just didn't care for it as much. Otherwise, it looks a few more features. It's basically the same vehicle as before, which is a terrific vehicle. Still has the V6. Carryover V6. Uh, carryover V6, which may be an endangered species in Europe there, powering them with a uh, turbocharged four-cylinder. Probably will get that eventually. I mean, it's one of those things where they gave it just enough updates yep. because yep. they're selling so many of them. Yeah. I mean, specifically the Telluride, that is just... Uh, you cannot find one that is not marked up Either a significant amount because yep. it's just everyone wants one. Kia actually had their best, sec- the second best quarter last quarter in sales. For that. Yeah, and I think they, I can't remember what they said they were upping production capacity for the Telluride, maybe 200,000 vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it, but, yeah. But, I mean, they're, they just surprised. can't stop selling them. They yeah, literally can't. They're both in high demand, but, of course, the Palisade still comes from – is imported, and I think that's got even more issues in production. Mm. Yeah. Um, but that – speaking of Kia, that wasn't by far the only thing that they had in New York. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. the redesigned Nero. Yes. I mean, I think that was huge, I, especially – I really like it. Yeah, it looks, yeah. It looks really nice. Looks you know, you got a hybrid – you got a PHEV mm-hmm. and you got a uh, battery electric, so you have all the choices okay. covered right there. No, just internal combustion engine. No, no, no. you can't get an. Uh, uh, it's it's everything's got some electrification, just like what the Venza from. Uh, mm-hmm. But that seems to be like the future of where Kia is moving. Yeah, I mean that that's going to be what their lineup is probably going to look like in the near future. That all you're going to have is some either electrified version or a full electric version um and that kind of uh also brings us to something else that they showed which is a very interesting concept uh it's the ev9 concept speaking of big suvs yes and it is (laughs) it is big i mean it's big and blocky and i mean it's a concept right now but it's going to be inspired by a production and a production vehicle in the near future we had seen um pictures of it before Mm -hmm. but and I guess I was expecting maybe it would be a little more refined, but it, it wasn't. I mean, it was a real concept. It was no interior. Right. It was yep. just sitting there. I still have a question about, you know, powering something that big for enough miles to make it viable. Because that's a long-distance vehicle. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, I'm a skeptic at that. Well, yeah, we'll see that a lot, too, with, with the upcoming, uh, you know, Ultium GM's Ultium platform, which will eventually be used for something like a a Tahoe or a Suburban. Uh, Nissan had a couple of updates. Who wants to mention those? Yeah, I can talk about it. Uh, We got the the new Leaf, uh, which has got just a refresh, nothing huge, but it's got now up to a 215-mile range. Um, It's got these really interesting wheels. Did you see the wheels? Yes, I did. They are very aerodynamic. Very mm-hmm. aerodynamic. Yeah. I think uh, probably a pain to clean. Yeah. But, yeah. I'm, I'm but, surprised Nissan didn't make more of a, a deal about it. It was just kind of sitting there off to the side. They almost didn't mention it. They yeah. spent more time yeah. talking about the uh, the Pathfinder Rockcrete than they did the Leaf. And yeah. I don't know, is the Leaf still, isn't the Leaf still the best selling electric vehicle mm-hmm. in the world? I think it is. I'd believe it. I mean, I think the Leaf needed a little bit more time in the spotlight. I yeah. mean, people are still buying it. It's good. Any little updates it's, they can make, even huge, the wheels, you it's know. A great value yeah yeah for people who i mean there really aren't many options in that small Mm -mm. cheaper yes ev anymore they're just building 
bigger, more luxurious ones. You know, and, and the Leaf gets a bad rap because everybody said, well, it's a car and I want an SUV, but it's a hatchback, folks. And believe mm-hmm. me, this second generation Leaf, when you open the back, it's got as much room as some of the so-called SUVs that mm-hmm. we see in here. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have all-wheel drive. That's about it. Yeah. But it's still a very nice vehicle, very comfortable, uh, great to drive. And, uh, yeah, I'm I'm a little sad that they yeah. didn't spend more time. Yeah, talking about the Rock Creek edition, that was once an appearance package only. And now it's sort of a, a standalone trim for 23. Uh, you know, new off-road suspension it gets, 18-inch uh, wheels and 6,000-pound uh, towing capacity. So, um, if you want to do some off-roading, that's that should uh, that should do it. This is really interesting because when we when the new Pathfinder came out last year, we all said, "Well, they're getting back more to their basics, that yeah. old original Pathfinder, mm-hmm. rough and rugged." But it was, I think, we still were left with the feeling it was more cosmetic. But this is obviously isn't. Yeah, this looks yeah, like I mean, it's really it, got some chops. It's got it's got a little bit of a lift on it. I think mm-hmm. um, it also gets a power increase as well, which a lot of times. When we get a, a, a package like this, it really is more of an appearance thing for, for looks and rather than actual utility. Yeah. I mean, I was going to kind of harp on that. I feel like a lot of times, especially with like the overlanding craze right now, mm-hmm. uh, it may seem gimmicky or a little easy for automakers to jump on that by offering what's really just a glorified appearance package. But to see them kind of go all out and say like, well, you know, it's going to get a lift and it's going to get like, you know, a little bit of extra power and stuff like that. You know, going back to what uh, John was saying, where the Pathfinder going back to some of its more rugged roots, like this really shows that they are more dedicated towards that, which is, you know, nice to see. It's confidence inspiring, you know. Mm-hmm. Another uh, mid-cycle refresh over at Subaru. The Outback uh, has gotten an update. I guess we still call it a sport utility wagon or whatever. I would say that's another one that was with the Nissan. You really didn't hear a whole lot about at the show. Mm. It wasn't on the center stage. It was kind of off was the Was there a reason for bit. that? Well, they had the, uh, <laughs> so, oh. they had the Solara. Yes. Solterra. Yeah. Solterra. Solterra. Solterra yeah. there, which, if you don't know, is basically built in conjunction with Toyota. Uh, but, but that I, just brings it up to date with the Impreza and the WRX styling. I thought it looked better. Uh-huh. You know, and a few more features in there. I mean, it's a hugely popular vehicle. It's made here, and there's been good supplies of them. But, you know, I heard an interesting thing from um, somebody told me that they were Oh, I, I guess Brian Robinson, our staff, was trying to get a Subaru Forester for one of our shoots, mm-hmm. and the dealer said they won't get one for six months. Mm-hmm. Wow. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Uh, Toyota GR Corolla. Yes. Is this overuse of the GR <laughs> name? <laughs> no, that's a Civic Type R and a Golf R rival. Yes. What impressed you about it? Uh, 300 horsepower. It was cool looking. Mm-hmm. Thought it looked oh, yeah. nice. Yes. Let's get one for um, Summit Point, for sure. You know, it's been a long time if they've ever done a serious performance uh, model with a Corolla in this country. I mean, I think they have, but it's been a long, long time. I, I, I honestly can't, I can't remember. remember the last time, yeah. no. Mm-hmm. Uh, big SUV over at BMW, the X7. Yeah, we've got the big, the big grill. You got to either love that or not, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting used to it at this point, uh, so I don't hate it. But it's, uh, I mean, it's definitely sleek. It's very sleek, and it definitely is inching much closer to the uh, the IX in in Mm -hmm. looks Mm -hmm. looks wise. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like the split headlights. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. What about the Alfa Romeo Alfa Romeo Tonali? 
That was kind of tucked away on the side as it well. Was. Yeah. It was. Very pretty, pretty. Very pretty, very sleek. It had a very interesting green color yeah. that they had. Uh, yeah, well, it, it really resembles the, the Stelvio, so... I mean, well, it's their it's their second SUV, yeah. and I have to admit the way that they're not spending much time marketing Alfa Romeo, and for that matter, Fiat. You almost sort of start wondering, yeah. are they even <laughs> still being offered? But right. they they had the standful. I didn't realize that. I don't know. I, I looked at at the Fiats and the Alphas, and I said I didn't realize they still imported that many models. So well, I do think they had some Fiats there that weren't sold here in the they're, u.s they're, like european euro spec. european yeah. specs and i don't know I, there was one specific model i remember somebody pointing out being like well, not thought, sure why this is here well i thought the fi- <laughs> i thought they stopped importing the basic 500 right yeah there was one there right yes yeah. exactly yeah but it was there I mean, yeah they still had the suv but they didn't have the uh so anyway but yeah. it looked good it was uh, all decked out and kind of a designer trim um of all of the – there were a, a lot of new startups, and um, the two, I think, st- stood out were VinFast, which is from Vietnam, and the Indy EV startup. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about VinFast first. Uh, they had three, all three of their vehicles on display, the VF7, the VF8, the VF9. You can get it, the idea, small, medium, and large. They've announced a new plant to be built in North Carolina, so they're they're all EV. This is strictly a, a, an electric vehicle manufacturer, or at least that's where they're headed. And um, what do you think? I mean, you can either take them individually or talk about it in general. It's the first time we've really seen them. I will say the, the fit and finish look pretty good, mm-hmm. but these are auto show cars. What yeah. do you think of VinFast? I, I, you know, what was kind of interesting to me is like I thought the VF7 was bigger than the VF8 they look like to me i like the seven the best i like the seven the best as well because the if you look at the v8 the vf8 i wasn't a really big fan i felt like maybe it was like a previous gen sort of ev kind of look mm-hmm. to it the vf9 is all is big yeah, I and mean, that's big... that's <laughs> i mean probably just as big as the ev9 concept that we saw i mean it's big it it kind of looked almost like a like a Kia Carnival, like on the profile because it was so long, um, so it kind of had this like van like look at the. At, Anything strike you about the interiors? Well, yeah, I mean the interior. I, well, first I will say I felt like build quality was pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we didn't get to spend too much time with it, but the for, interior is very simple for startups. I think the build quality was really good compared to what we've seen before especially from, from some of the chinese yes. even some established mm-hmm. chinese yes. automakers well they definitely vinfast seems to have have some have some proper footing behind it um you know more than sure. startups i mean i think one of the biggest news items of the vinfast and obviously we're going to we're going to talk about this in the lightning round but it's the catch of you know the prices do not include um the lithium battery packs yeah that's something I guess we can talk more about the well, whole subscription. Well, since you brought it up, why don't you talk about it? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a, a very important thing. We can get to it a little bit later, but you know, this this not owning the battery not only substantially lowers the out of pocket costs, up but, front, yes, you know, it's what uh, we've been hearing from electric companies from a long time that maybe they would get into that business of actually controlling uh, the sources of the batteries. But the other thing that struck me was um, 
the interior had the single central frame uh, screen, not only like Tesla, but you can go back to the Mini Coopers that, mm-hmm. that probably started that trend and stuff in Europe way after World War II. Um, that was pretty interesting. What do you think VinFast brings to the market? Well, I mean, price, I think. I think, but it is it is tough because if they would have come here maybe two years earlier, I think we'd be having a different conversation. But they're coming into a market that is full of EVs now. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not going to be the only ones um, doing what they're doing. So I think it's going to be difficult. I think price-wise, you know, they start just over $40,000. We don't know what destination fees is, so we can't give you an exact number quite yet. And then it just kind of goes up from there for between forty and fifty. Before any incentives, they do offer good mileage. Well, yeah. the, the I think the eight is what two hundred and ninety miles. That's our target. Proper, yeah, yeah, and, and a big warranty, ten years. Yes, yes. and yeah. and you know, when we, well, like I said, like they said, we'll talk a little bit more about batteries. And that's what se- well, that's but. what separates them is the battery subscription right, yeah. right now. Yeah, that, well, no one else is doing that. In conjunction with the show, I believe they announced the uh, a partnership with Electrify America, which we're seeing a lot of, but theirs is a little different where. Uh, I had to reread the press release like three times to make sure I got it right. You get two complimentary charging sessions. Uh, a, a lot of these partnerships, it's two years of complimentary charging sessions, but they're capped at a certain time limit. Um, this one just said two sessions, huh. which I thought was a like weird. Like total or per it, month I, I, You know, I could be totally wrong, but I, I, I read the release uh... multiple times. I checked other sources uh, just to make sure, and it said two sessions. Now, I wonder if this is just really a precursor to what they want to do with a partnership, which, I mean, that's fair. That's fine. Uh, Maybe it has something to do with uh, this, like, flex plan and stuff with the battery. Maybe something with that, you know, uh, throw the wrench in the plan. I don't know. It could be to, like, uh, maybe a plug and charge, uh, plug and go sort of situation, Mm -hmm. because I guess, you know, like like a Porsche has where you can just plug in the, the car. It recognizes the car and you just keep a thing on sure. file, and well, I yeah. do know that. I think it's going to be plug and go. Yeah, yeah. Renault and Renault and Nissan um, introduced a similar battery subscription in Europe a couple of years ago mm-hmm. that that failed after a few years. So hopefully they've learned a little something from. I wonder why. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure why. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's move on to the other startup that I think a lot of people were gathered around. That's NDEV, and uh, I knew very little about them before we got to the show. I, I knew very little, but I, I was doing some research. The first thing that grabbed me, and this is so silly, but I went on their website, and it shows a picture of people with VR headsets on in the car. And I'm like, man, you're going to go on a road trip and you're going to play VR. But that's like a big thing. I think it's called the VIC, the Vehicle Inform- Something Computer. I forgot the last part. It's it's Vic. Uh, and it's supposed to be able to, yeah, it's the main computer, and it's able to, like, play games and, like, have all your apps and all that stuff. And it just kind of – it's like – going really all in with that idea of like your car is i don't want to say your home because that's a little dystopian but it's yeah, like kind of yeah but it's like your hub where you you know you got all your entertainment you got you know obviously the car you can go places well you know? if we ever get to the autonomous uh you yeah know, nirvana that's exactly what it'll be yeah it'll be basically the jetsons like we've seen they've start, <laughs> seen they cartoons. started taking uh, pre-orders the day they had their press conference mm. on the on the indie one um so yeah, it has a 300-mile range. It's a California-based company, and uh, the five-passenger crossover should start, they say, in around 45000 So It had, like, the the dash area was, like, a cluster, and then, 
like right beside it was two large yeah. computer monitors because they said there was like two computers, like pr- like actual desktop yep. computers uh, within one the of, car. On their website, the one on the left has like Windows up. Yeah. And then the next one has like all your apps and everything. And it, yeah, it's wild to me that mm. that's where we're at. Seems customizable, which might yeah. be very yeah. interesting to a lot of like very tech uh, heavy sure. people, people. Who... breaking their cars soon. exactly yeah no exactly do whatever you want with it. Yeah. Uh, where what is this automotive world <laughs> yep. coming to the last thing from new york we're going to talk about and i saved it for last on purpose uh the return of the volkswagen minibus the volkswagen id buzz and yes it has been the buzz for yeah what four years now probably but more than the, that the, i think the, since like 2017 the production one was there yeah. you got closer to it uh than Pretty i close. did yeah. so what do you think i think it's gonna be a giant hit myself I think it'll be a hit. I mean, uh, I've been a pretty big fan of the ID4. So if they can build, you know, they build upon that. And this is just a bigger version. Obviously, this is the European spec. So and they have yet to reveal the US spec, uh, which should have three rows. Um, but I've been a very big fan of these, uh, the electric uh, Volkswagen. So I, I can't see how it's how it's not a hit. Yeah. It's cool. I agree. Cool I think again. it's. I think it's going to cool sell out. Yeah, and it pulls from everything I think that people love about the nostalgia of the bus. And it's know? got yeah. the powertrain from the ID four, which we oh. already know is very you know excellent. Mm-hmm. So when are they expecting? Is that twenty four? Yeah, the U.S. So spec. Yeah, US it should yeah. be twenty four. Yeah, I think it's it's a really cool way to bring back that old like T one T two bus. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, being an air cooled engine, and now it's going over to EV. You're just like, oh, that's that's just neat. <laughs> it's just cool. There's one other EV that we're going to save for later in the show to talk about, and it's only loosely related to the New York Auto Show since it wasn't shown during the press preview days. But by the time you're uh, listening to this, you'll probably know all about it. Uh, but let's before we do that, we always like to have at least one vehicle that is here now, ready to rock, that we've driven. And Alex, you just came back from sampling the 2022 Range Rover. Would I you did. like to expand the all-new, all new, for the yep. record, all-new Granddaddy Range Rover? Yes. So It's only, I think, like the fifth generation. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, they've been in the business of this for Five decades now, five generations. They and all they that. invented, and folks. They invented the luxury SUV, it's, and they certainly live up to it. So, with this one, oh, I should preface this by saying the one we spent the most time in um, was the, I believe it's the four point four liter V eight twin turbo. Um, it was the first edition, which, as the name suggests, you'll only be able to get for the first year. It was in this beautiful gold color, really nice. Um, and it's now, it's still, uh, you can get it as a two-row, and it's, that's a four- or five-seater. But now they're offering a version where it's, and it's the first one ever, it's a three-row uh, with seven seats. And, and I alluded to this before. To get it out of the way, six foot two, sat in the back, enough leg room for like a short jaunt. And like if I had moved the seat forward more, I would have been more comfortable. But the point is, it's there and it's practical. They did mention um, one of the uh, PR folks there said if any of our, our current orders or like kind of gauging interest, if that shows anything, the seven row or seven row, geez, <laughs> the three row seven seater is going to be very popular. Um, but again, we spent most of our time in what I guess you could say is, you know, more traditional, the two row. A lot of fun to drive. We did a lot of off-roading with it, which I thought was 
you know, you take a $170,000 vehicle off-road and you're like, oh, should I really be doing this? I don't know. But, <laughs> but it's a Land it, it Rover was, you have yeah, to. Exa- you yeah. have to. And, again, it lives up to that pedigree. You know, it's got the four-wheel steering, which made a lot of tight uh, turns very easy. A lot of drive modes in it that, again, made, like, going through mud, going over rocks very you know, it almost felt like you weren't doing anything special at all. Uh, they really like to talk about, again, about the luxury experience. They had a lot of, like, sound deadening seemed to be a thing that we're really focusing on this mm. time. They even have, like, headrests with, like, speakers built in, which someone in the event goes, it doesn't seem like kind of like a safety concern. And <laughs> they were like, no, no, it's fine. Uh, we've tested it. Uh, it does. It shouldn't block out anything. It's better than headphones. Right. They basically said it, it more or less helps block out maybe what's going on behind you, like in the rear seats, mm-hmm. like people with their own infotainment as opposed to, you know, uh, what you're doing. But, yeah, no, very comfortable ride. Um, when you compare, we, when you think about, think about you know, all of us here, when you, there's a distinct difference when you get into a Range Rover versus a Land Rover. It's not just the ambiance. They are tuned very, very differently, I mm-hmm. think. I mean, they're both incredibly capable, but for that real luxury experience, even though I, I personally think the uh, uh, um, Land Rover is, is nudging at their heels, mm-hmm. but the Range Rover just seems to keep ratcheting up mm-hmm. the, the whole experience. So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think in yeah. a different way, though, yeah. I think because, you know, the, the Land Rover is more rugged and it's, it's meant to be that way, but, but the people who are buying them are expecting a certain caliber of interior, which is why yes. it just keeps getting nicer mm. and nicer and nicer. But when you buy a Range Rover, you are, you are expecting luxury. The best. The really. best. And, yeah. You're and spending that much money on a car. Another uh, important thing to note about it is I believe next year is when – so right now it's like a mild hybrid system. But next year we'll be getting the plug-in hybrid, and then 2024 it will be all electric. Yes. That's – I mean that's – pretty neat they're being a very aggressive and i was going yeah. to bring that point up so maybe you can speak to it a little bit this is the this is an all-new chassis and mm-hmm. this chassis MLA is flex. designed that's where the flex comes in to be both internal combustion engine and just about any kind of electric you could want this is a major thing that is happening in the auto industry yep. we've we've never seen this much flexibility put into one chassis before it's usually been either or mm-hmm. but this is the new wave yeah, so I mean, all, all yeah. it seems that all automakers are are thinking about this uh, Jeep Jeep same way because you know they're they're expecting to launch all the plug in hybrid models and mm-hmm. they're and building their their platforms to you know so there's no compromise. I mean, I don't for think you want to alienate any consumer. True, that's why they're doing it. Yeah. Just give different varieties to different folks. Absolutely. Exactly right. And the head of BMW was in, in uh, the U.S. and he gave a speech and he said, do not ignore the internal combustion engine buyer. Mm-hmm. If you're heading to be all electric, you may be leaving a lot of people out of your portfolio and they will go somewhere else. It was a very interesting speech, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is one of the reasons the Europeans seem to be spending more time talking about um, plug-in hybrids uh, Mm. than we do, which I think still makes a lot of sense. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's go to our lightning round, and let's go to tackle this VinFast subscription uh, service. VinFast officially announced the pricing for their unconventional battery subscriptions. There are two options, a flexible plan and a fixed plan. The flexible plan runs $35 a month for the VF8 and $44 a month for the VF9. This is what you're paying just for the battery and includes 310 miles of travel a month. 
which doesn't sound like very much to me. Any additional travel is 11 cents per mile for the VF8 and 15 cents for the VF9. The fixed plan costs $110 a month for the VF8 and $160 for the VF9 for unlimited miles. This is on top, of course, of the original cost of the vehicles. Do you think American buyers are ready for this and, and speak to the fact it may be an age thing? No. No. Oh, well, boy, you, that was direct. <laughs> no, and uh, not even speaking from a monetary standpoint, just very like looking at it, it's a subscription service. And I think we've seen a lot of pushback on subscription services, live service updates for different mediums and stuff. When I look at this, I don't know if maybe for some people this is like a great deal. This monetarily makes sense, and that's fine. And look, I'm all open to being proven wrong, but I see it as people are going to look at it as, wow. So I'm already paying a monthly payment, and now I have to pay even more for for this. They won't want to do it. I mean, didn't Toyota recently? I know it's very different, but they got in trouble re- in trouble in quotes with what was it like? Remote Start was yeah, behind a paywall. They were gonna charge, oh, yeah. And, yeah. and while people. this does not equate to that, I think a lot of people like mentally you look at it and you're like, I gotta pay extra for that. Like they don't want to do it. Well, that's I, just me. I think it's all about better. educating the yes. public, educating the consumer. Mm-hmm. Because it is very, I think, confusing. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. When, you, when you look at all that, you know, you're talking about 310 miles a month. That's, yeah, I had that's trouble 3, 000, that's writing it. 3,600 miles a year. I mean, yeah. the average person is 12,000, 13,000 miles yeah. a year. Right. Yep. So it seemed incredibly low. Yeah. I mean, I think if you educate them and, and, and you have a, a good um, outlet like that, people may understand it, but you're right. Any kind of subscription service for anything. Yeah, it's know, just going to get My Netflix back. bill goes up $2 a month, I'm concerned. <laughs> I mean, mm. right. So that's it's always difficult to have a, a. I mean, one of the biggest concerns that people seem to have is th- how long is this is my battery going to last? Mm-hmm. And we do know that these batteries will degrade over time; they'll become less efficient. That's just the the way that it works, and that's how they're built, and that's how every single battery and every single thing that exists works. Um, so, to me, this is the this is a sustainable thing because you know it kind of means that all right once you get basically once you get to a certain uh i want to say it's under 75 percent usability or something within the battery something around there then you're you're you just get a new battery and that's mm-hmm. how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, I mean, that's instead of throwing away a car, you're just oh, yeah. replacing the battery. But the th- you just have to kind of get in your mind that you're just paying that cost up front. And then you also have to be like, I want to keep this car for 15 years. And, and will this car last for 15? All the rest of yeah. the components last for 15 years. So it's a it's a very, very tricky thing that I'm interested to see how, you know, maybe five five years down the line, how this kind of goes. And I, I'm not convinced yet most people are going to be keeping uh, electric vehicles that long, at least not at this generation. It'll mm-hmm. have to be further down the line. Going to be interesting. Been fast and their subscription service. A lot of electric companies uh, are looking at this because they think uh, electric utilities, they think they can possibly start a new business by subsidizing the purchase of vehicles and then uh, basically leasing the battery back to you. That's uh, it's, it's been talked That's a lot about very interesting. Uh, because they're saying they want people to buy electric vehicles, so, right. uh, obviously. So right. they're thinking if we can lower the price for a consumer by essentially buying the battery 
from them and then leasing it back or some deal like that. Uh, they might increase their own business hmm. in the same time. So basically it. like solar. Yeah. yeah basically yeah, exactly like solar yeah, power. Pretty close. Pretty which close. people love how that works. <laughs> as long as you've got sun. <laughs> Okay, let's, uh, this also has to do with the uh, uh, VinFast, but also others. What I noticed with the VinFast was the central screen. Okay, not a new concept. Been around bef- probably even before the Mini Cooper. Uh, why do you think EVs like Tesla and VinFast and other automakers uh, in the past, why do you think they go for a single centrally located screen where you have to take your eyes off the road to, to do just about anything? So you can have right-hand drive and left-hand drive vehicles for different markets? Why? Because it Cha-ching. Um, yeah. costs less. Yes. Money. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I wonder if there's another reason, because that's the for only thing I can come. iPads in the dash? Uh, I'm going to say aesthetic. I think a lot of things we're seeing right now with EVs mm-hmm. is a minimalist design. Um, even not Because of Tesla. And, mm-hmm. oh, oh, you know, it's one of those things where it – when it's off, you know, it's just a black screen, and I know that doesn't really look the best, but for some people, you know, they don't want to have all the switches and knobs. I think a lot of people can agree having switches and knobs, like physical controls is great, um, but the, I guess one of the perks to having a big iPad is, like an actual iPad, you can update it. So if the automakers in three years are like, yeah, remember that design? That was, that was kind of whack. I don't know why we did that. Mm-hmm. They can update it, and then they can change it, or they can say, oh, our user feedback is saying, you know, the HVAC control, it's a little tricky here. Why don't we put it here instead? They could change those things somehow, and um, I don't know. Maybe. But you can do that with any touch screen. I mean, all these new cars are coming. Oh, sure, sure, absolutely. Probably up, upgradable. Yeah. I mean, I, I just find, like, when you're in a Tesla, I find it very – we don't like vehicles that you have to look away from the road a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and at the same time, have to do five pushes of a of a uh, tactile switch in order to get it to do something that you used to turn a knob for. Right. So, I think the drawbacks for the consumer are huge, but nobody. I have to say, I don't think people care. I mean, nobody I, seems I to. Nobody they, really cares that Tesla did it. I don't think they start to care until they buy it and then they experience it and then they're trying to like find where they can turn on their heated seat and they have to like go through like Mm -hmm. three menu options just to turn on a heated seat you know and um uh we had that wrx in recently that had the big screen in it and one thing i noticed the thing that i didn't like the most about it was uh the smartphone integration because and i use android auto so i don't know if it's different with apple carplay but when you plug it in um it's like you got this whole giant rectangle, and then your Android Auto just takes up one little oh, part. Oh, really? So then, oh. and I understand that it's because they can't, like, really, that's optimization. I think on more on Google's part or like Apple's part than it is Subaru. But uh, for me, like, it was still very usable. It was about the size as it is in my Mustang, so it I didn't feel that's, bad. That's but. funny you say that because, and I don't. I mean, that's got the same size screen I think as the Outback. It does, mm. yeah. and I love the integration of, of really? Apple CarPlay in the Outback. I. Because because we have the long term Prius, which has has that mm-hmm. sort of same long screen, and I drove the Prius down to Roebling, and I just remember like the the navigation was teeny tiny, like the I just disliked it. And my grandma has a twenty one <laughs> Outback, so I drove one. I drove it around town when I went to go visit her for the holidays, and you plug that thing in and. 
it took up a decent chunk of the screen, so maybe that was a, a setting. It, it, maybe that. Well, it maybe. could be an Android thing, also. Yeah, you know, I, I, not using an Apple, Android. so it could be yeah. that. Yeah, because um, I had the iPhone. Yeah, I mean, again, it was yeah. still very usable, and I enjoyed it. It was fine, but hmm. one screen in the middle, somewhat <laughs> controversy. Now we've saved a vehicle that we teased at the beginning that didn't come out exactly when the Auto Show Media Days were up, and uh, we still don't know a lot about it, but the this will never be accused of having only one screen, <laughs> and this is the Mercedes EQS SUV, basically their equivalent of the GLS. It's their S-Class SUV, uh, all electric. What do we know so far? Well, it's it's uh, huge. It's huge. It's built on the same EQ platform as uh, the rest the of the, the, the yeah. lineup, yeah. Um, or the larger, I should say, the larger right. sedan. Uh, so the EQS, the EQE, and, and now the EQS SUV, uh, <laughs> and also the future EQE SUV. Um, so got that, folks? <laughs> yeah, just yeah. Say, we'll take a straight. test later. <laughs> um, but uh, pretty much what we know, and and it does not surprise me in the least, is that it's going to be very much similar to the EQS, uh, the normal EQS sedan on the inside. It's got that right. huge hyper screen, um, which is like 54 inches or something. Literally goes from across the entire cabin, yeah. except for just a little space. It does. Um, so it should be pretty, pretty plush. Um and that uh, that platform, the the EV platform, does does really well. If it has the same sort of powertrain setup as the EQS, uh, you should be seeing like over three hundred miles of range, um, and also a lot of power as well. I, I can't get over how many EQSs we've seen locally in the Baltimore Washington area already. Uh, yeah, it's like. I mean, it is the ultimate status symbol. It's going to replace. It's already replaced. I think uh, the Tesla Tesla uh, as a status symbol. Uh, it's quite a, well. Quite that a, interior. I mean, say what you want about the exterior. Yeah, I'm not a but fan that of the interior. interior. It looks like a, just... a melted gumdrop to me. So, <laughs> but. It's aerodynamic, oh, John. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but it's impressive, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially as it leaves you in the dust at a stoplight. Yep. Yeah. Let's wrap up with uh, rant and raves. Anybody got anything that's bothering them uh, this week? Or looking around the table, Brian Roberts is shaking his head. I'm good. (laughs) Well, I'm going to give a rave. Okay. And this is a rave to one of our own. Our audio engineer and manager of the audio department here, uh, Jim Bigwood, has announced his retirement. Uh, Jim has been the podcast engineer for us and engineer on just about every other thing I've done at uh, Maryland Public Television, where we're based in the last uh, three or four uh, decades. Uh, Jim is going on to um, just going to have a lot of fun, I think, and he certainly has well earned his retirement. I don't know, Jim, if you can actually speak uh, that we can hear you during the podcast. He's probably just I know he's back there with a giant smile on his face. Uh, he did the first podcast we ever did, and he's done over the years all but maybe a handful, uh, whether he was uh, on some other assignment or away on vacation or something. Jim, the reason our podcast have done so well 
is because you make us sound so much better than we have any right to sound. And everybody on Motor Week wishes you um, Godspeed, have a great retirement, and uh, stay in touch and come back for all of the alumni days and tell us about all the great things you're doing. So thank you, John. It's been a pleasure. There he goes, and that's our. All mis- right. <coughs> we're choking thanks. up here. Thanks, Jim. It's our bit. Thank Let's you, Jim. Give Jim a yeah. round of applause. And that just peaked his meter back there. Yeah. <laughs> I also want to thank our podcast producer Jessica Ray, Bob Mixter, the podcast's creator, and with us today has been senior executive producer Brian Roberts. Of course, Jessica Ray, our digital producer and assistant writer Alexander. You got Ellum. it. Alex. <laughs> Thanks, everybody out there. If you want to know more about Motor Week, please hop over to our website, motorweek.org. On the upper right hand, pull down about the show. You can put in your zip code and find the local PBS station and the times and dates in your area that broadcast us each and every week. If you're a cable fan, hop on over to MAV TV. It's mavtv.com. Uh, if you're looking for the schedule, they air us multiple times during the week. You can see us on PBS Living. You can go to pbs.org slash motorweek and stream the show free. Basically out there, if you have a screen, you can watch Motorweek. In the meantime, thanks for listening to our podcast and thanks for being a part of Motorweek. You've been listening to the podcast of Motorweek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by Lucas Oil, TireRack.com, and RockAuto.com. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch MotorWeek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.